This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Baseball. Yeah, baseball's been boring because baseball has been awesome so far. Has been awesome. Over the course of this past weekend, it's going to be awesome for this week coming up, not only in the world of the stadiums and the world of, of, of just people watching it, but also on this podcast. The Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, listen. Thank you to our great friends at FanDuel. Every moment matters, and every moment has proven to matter absolutely with the baseball season this year. It has been awesome. You sit here heading into May. So many great storylines. So many great examples of people having smiles on their faces where you did not expect them to have smiles on their faces at this time. That's just how it is. And that's what this podcast today is all about. We have our great friend, Matt Spiegel from 670 to score on. He is rooted in Chicago where you have the smiles and the frowns. There is no city right now that has the juxtapose juxtaposition of those two elements. You have the smiles of the good vibes of the Chicago Cubs, who are 12 and 9, and feeling pretty good about themselves, even though they just lost a series uh, just recently against the Dodgers. This, But that's okay. They still feel really, really good about where they are at. They're sitting in a division where, speaking of smiles, the Pittsburgh Pirates, 16 and 7, at the top of the the National League Central. Unbelievable. One of the best stories, if not the best story, well, the best story has to be the Tampa Bay Rays, 19 and 3. Speaking of the Rays, sitting behind them in the American League East, another great story. Another round of smiles. Yeah, the Baltimore Orioles, they're 14 and 7. I was at Camden Yards on Sunday, and I go there, and I'm kind of expecting, all right, you know, I'll go there, and there's going to be plenty of empty seats if I want to go down the stands. There's going to be plenty of places to sit. And then, then you see it against the Detroit Tigers, almost 37,000 people. Detroit Tigers, almost 37,000 people. And by the way, great game. Eduardo Rodriguez has a perfect game in the seventh. And Grayson Rodriguez is going toe-to-toe with them, 0-0. Finally, Detroit scores, one nothing. 
But then Baltimore has this walk-off win in the 10th inning, and and place goes wild. People feel great about themselves. And once again, let me just say it, smiles. So we talked to today, we talked to Matt Spiegel about the smiles, about the teams that either you know are turning that frown upside down or are just not feeling great about themselves. And really, really the team in Chicago people are not feeling great, let's just be honest. Even though co-author Joe Kelly is on the team, um, they are not off to a good start. Chicago White Sox, probably the most disappointing team in baseball, I think, right now is 7-15. and 15. Coming up, but the Rays take it to a lot of teams. The Rays make a lot of teams feel bad about themselves. They certainly did that to the Chicago White Sox over the course of the weekend. But we talked to Matt about the vibes when it comes to the Cubs, the vibes when it comes to the White Sox, and we also just talked about the, the surprises in baseball because there are a ton of surprises in baseball. So once again, rate, review, subscribe, listen, at BB isn't boring. Also, uh, I'll, I'll buy the book, A Damn Near Perfect Game, while we'll some stuff coming up with that heading into Father's Day. So all of that. T-shirts, merch, swing juice, there you go. Big shout-out to new producer Evan O'Brien doing an awesome, awesome job. So we're going to talk to Evan. I want Evan to do give his power rankings a little bit. A little bit of power rankings from Evan because you know what? It's that time. I remember Xander Bogarts always used to obsess over the power rankings and call and text Alex Cora every Monday when the MLB.com power rankings came out. So maybe we can get some people texting, some calling, Get some people a little bit riled up saying how how dare they put us so low. I can't believe they're so high. Isn't that what power rankings are all about? But what today is all about is looking at the standings and looking at the landscape of baseball and being like, wow, wow. We did not expect this to look like this. And there's no better person. Such a good guy. Such a good ambassador to the game. Such a good talk show host. Such a good podcaster. And that's Matt Spiegel. So let's let's catch up with Matt right now. All right, one of the people that we always say symbolizes baseball not being boring is Matt Spiegel of six seventy the score. Matt, you are uh, you are a breath of fresh air when it comes to the great game of baseball with everything. Really, like, I mean, let's let's be honest with everything. <laughs> I mean, come on. So uh, so it's just it's just always good to talk to you. Um, first of back all, how you doing? You. All right, good. Yeah, man, back at you. Yeah, I'm I'm real good. Had a uh... Talked to Mo Vaughn on my show, Hit and Run, on the score this week. The best. One of the all-timers, man. I'd, I'd never had a conversation with him. Just what a what a wonderful guy on a million levels, right? Yeah. And and, and oh, as you we were texting back and forth, I mean, this guy, he, he wasn't a Hall of Fame player, but he's one of these guys that, like, had a Hall of Fame run, you know? Mm-hmm. A Hall of Fame stretch. Yes. And, you know, we always see these guys, and they're derailed by – Injuries and for Mo, it was you know I know that everyone should go listen to your interview with him absolutely, but with Mo it was oh my goodness you know you hurt yourself right out of the gate when you switch teams and you know so anyway yeah but uh, just he's got a hitting academy now and we're talking new rules and and, and everything so games uh, in a good spot right now. yeah I love the old guys talking new rules I love the old guys talking new rules. <laughs> I do. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so anyway, you talk about what they get. You just said it. The game's in a good spot, Matt. And and I was thinking about this, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, which is it just feels good, man. It feels good to follow baseball. And I know that 
that's our thing. We've already made up the T-shirts and we have the social account and everything. And, and we've done the book and we're, we're supposed to be screaming, hey, baseball's off, awesome, baseball's awesome. But it kind of feels like maybe baseball is sort of awesome more than ever. I mean, for some people, and this is what I want to get into, I want to get like the, the teams that are making us feel good and the teams that are making us feel sad. Right. Well, but for, but first, I think the sport overall is having a moment. And I say yeah. the sport and not necessarily the league because the WBC lit people on fire, as you know, man. It's like in the volume of baseball fans that I've been interacting with that like it got them pumped for the season in a really cool and unique way, got them going to feel that vibe in March. So now if things are going good for a team as they are here in Chicago with the Cubs, the vibes are off the charts. It's just, it's it's crazy for a multitude of reasons with the Cubs, but I do believe that that the momentum of the offseason right into the WBC, right into opening day, kind of played a role with the calendar. It's a great point. And we were saying that we thought it would be like the T-shirt cannon for the season, especially the way that it finished off. And and I, I don't think there's any question. And, and we did a podcast, our guy Sean Spradling, the WBC Central expert, you know, he he went through some of the, the teams and guys that have done well because of this. You know, they have that have actually carried over performance because of the intensity, because of but the performance is one thing to your point. The fun is another. And another guy that we talked to on the podcast before the WBC even started was Stroman. And Stroman, I mean, he he totally bought into Team Puerto Rico and and you know and he got off to a good start. He's one of the guys that we can point to both on the field in terms of performance and also in terms of enthusiasm. And that's what we're hoping for, right? But it's a good point by you. Yeah, and 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 Stroman has been absolutely great for the Cubs. Got got beat up a little bit by the Dodgers in the finale of uh, of this their series, but um, has really set the tone for that entire rotation, which has been. Um, which has been a good story in terms of Justin Steele and Drew Smiley and and then Stroman. It's a it's part of the that good Cubs thing right now. Okay, so that the perfect segue, excellent job. That we're, <laughs> it leads right into what we're talking about, and the, I can't think of a better way to phrase it than just teams that make you feel happy and teams that make you feel sad. And there's no better person or place to uh, to break this down. And and break the and basically pick through this than Chicago right now, right? I mean, it's and I know the Cubs aren't running away like uh, like the the Pirates and 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 the, we're going to talk about some of these other teams that are just oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening to these teams. But the Cubs are having a good year. But in Chicago, you have the Cubs and you have the White Sox. Yeah, Give me the do. feels. The, the the thing about the the Cubs year, and you've seen this when a team goes about a rebuild or takes a step back and then they start to step forward. Sometimes there's a bonus season, right? <laughs> like um, Cubs aren't supposed to be good yet. So the fact that they are makes it so stress-free in, 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 in an extra level, you know, like it's like the Cubs in 2015 before, before they won the world series. And I was like, Oh, I guess, I guess they are good. And actually the hashtag from Miguel Montero was hashtag we are good. Like that was the thing, which is crazy. Um, or the White Sox in 2020, after they had broken it down and were building towards something, and all of a sudden in the pandemic year, they win a division under Ricky Renteria. It's like, oh, okay. So 
when it has that, when you're pretty good the year before that, what is theoretically the target, mm. it, it, it gives it an extra level of, of fun and a lack of expectation. So that's a big thing that's going on with the Cubs. And they're just all the, they're all, you know, I mean, Boston is where it was born with the Elliott Lounge, 25 guys in 25 caps, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like, a, that's a freaking Boston thing, but that is not the case with this bunch. This is, this is a bunch of dudes who like enjoy each other, are um, managed by a guy in David Ross who wants them to enjoy each other. And they're excited because of all the activity in the off season, which principally Dansby Swanson, but, Nico Horner just re-signed. He's invested long-term. Ian Happ left money on the table, in my opinion, and re-signed. He's invested long-term. And it's just and, – and and they also knew so, – so it's really fun. It's a really fun mix of guys, and they're hitting the hell out of the ball. Line drive percentage is really high. Contact rate is really high. They're stealing bases. Innings are going on. They're, like, passing the baton from one or the other, right? It, it's, it's good vibes, and they're having fun. I was at a game the other day, Rob – and I'm sitting behind a guy in a Nico Horner jersey. And it's a dude with a goatee and a Nico Horner jersey. I'm like, all right, is this family? Is this a cousin or something? <laughs> no, because it was a good seat. And he's like, no, no, he's just a Nico Horner fan. But Swanson scored from first on a three-run single by Ian Happ. It was against Texas. Because Adolis Garcia fell asleep a little bit in center field. And the Cubs just kept running. Scored three runs on a single. And the place went absolutely ballistic, right? And the dude turned to me and he said, man, when you're playing hard and having fun, that's dangerous. <laughs> and I loved it because it was a buzzed fan feeling himself. <laughs> but it's kind of become my mantra of talking about what the Cubs thing feels like right now. Well, this and, and you, first of all, <laughs> Ray and, and also really, really well put. And I, you look at that division on its own. I mean, we're sitting here and OK. You know, a lot of people thought Milwaukee was going to be good. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. But we're sitting here, Matt, in the St. Louis Cardinals, which I would think that a vast majority of people at least thought they were going to be right up the top, maybe uh, maybe the majority of people. There's seven games back of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates. So is there a chance when you look at how playing off what the, the you're, you're seeing with the Cubs, Yeah, is there a chance that the Cubs are good enough that the Pirates are good enough that we're doing this podcast in two months and we're heading into trade deadline and we're saying, holy mackerel, like the the good vibes haven't gone anywhere. Is there a chance? Yes. Yes. Oh, good. That's good. Because here's the thing. Like the team was built with this idea of being able to pivot midseason. And maybe they'll still have to. Maybe some guys will get hurt. Some guys will slow down. And then certain one-year signees will become sign-in flips and get dealt at the deadline, like like Bellinger or you know Hosmer for whatever you can get, or you know um, some some of these some of these other guys, Smiley, you know um, some of these some of these pitchers, uh, Michael Fulmer, right? Those are all I think one-year deals with potential to be sign-in flips or potential to be part of a of a winning team. Mm. Um, look. Fifth starter's been bad. Hayden Wesneski has really good stuff, and they were excited about him. But Kyle Hendricks threw three innings in a sim game the other day in Arizona. He's on his way back. That's going to be your fifth starter. And I know he has waned off in previous years, but that is a former ERA winner and a Game 7 World Series starter to come back and be your five, you know? 
they got to figure some things out in the bullpen, but they got a lot of really good young arms. Their pitch lab is really good at, at building guys. Hell, man, they created Scott Efros out of nothing and then traded him for Aiden Wozneski. But, like, so this is how the game is played these days, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll figure it out, and they could indeed add. Some, somebody asked me today, literally, like, who are some targets at the trade deadline? And I said, dude, oh, it's man. April. It's freaking April. Embrace it. Embrace it. What do, I love that. I love that. Like, what do we need? What do we need? I mean, that's, that's what that's when you know that people are in. Along with the drunk fan who turns wearing the Nico Horner jersey. You yes. know, the grit and guy on the guts, and that's how we're going to win by just by the hustle and the talent. The hustle but, and the fun. But, the fun. And the fun. And yeah. so – but also, when you start talking, who can we get the trade deadline? You know they're in, and that's oh, great. God. Yeah, they're in. Well, here's the other thing, and I've been calling it a. It's a version of insider trading, man. They've been building towards these new rules, right? Um, towards Theo's. I call it the New Deal. With all respect to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, <laughs> right? We got four rules all kind of working together, you know. Um, but they knew it was coming, Jed knew it was coming they've been building a lineup that's more diversified than they used to have they go out and they get bellinger who's one of the guys who's benefiting from the lack of a from the shift restrictions they have a team built around um contact a pitching staff built around weak contact three of the top six going into today in terms of hard hit rate in terms of the best starting pitchers in baseball mm. stroman smiley and steel right oh, wow that's what they do and, oh, by the way, they have a really good shortstop playing second base in Nico Horner. Like, they they built it for this. So, Theo and Jed talked about it. I think uh, – I don't know if that's entirely kosher. Well, oh, wow. There you, there, there you go. There, there. I mean, why not? Hey, yeah, right? You, you go with what you know. It's You yeah. take every little bit you can. All right. So, if you talk about the feel goods and, and the smiles, uh, the teams that make put a smile on your face, like you said, Cubs, Pirates, um, you know uh, – I'm going to say the Rays is because it's so historic what they're doing. Absolutely, man. I, I'm just I just watched the Orioles uh, come from behind and beat the the vaunted Tigers. Which, by the way, AJ Hinch. Eh. Oh boy, they got troubles. Yeah, yeah, they got. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez had a perfect game in the seventh inning, and they lose the game. And uh, yeah, so anyway, it was. It's just like it's a team that the Tigers is a, is another team that sort of. You you thought they were probably going to be bad, but they got the feels of like yeah, it's if you get in a game like today, they're going to lose it anyway. The team yeah. they were playing, the Orioles are absolutely lumped with those other the other group, the Texas Rangers. Another, I know they pay a shitload of money, but like still, like the Texas Rangers. Um, Can you imagine then, if the uh, Orioles if the Orioles just paid a little this offseason? This was their offseason to invest in pitching and give themselves an ace to be at the top of that team, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you look at that division, and you know it's all of a sudden the Orioles are ahead. They're competing with the Blue Jays and the Yankees and the Red Sox. This division, the American League East, as we sit here right now, every team's above five hundred. It's sort of a crazy division. But then you go to I, I'll lump in the Diamondbacks. I, I yes. think the Diamondbacks are a great story, and yes. they're doing they're kind of doing Matt what you're talking about with the Cubs, where maybe they're a little bit ahead. A little, a little bit ahead. So, but it's great yeah. to see. Yeah, it, it, I think they are a little ahead. Um, they're really young. Uh, they have a, a brain trust that the fan base likes and can get excited about um, in the front office. And they have 
they have a, a, a like a, a a budding star who just signed a deal to stay and be the dude in Corbin Carroll. Like that's that that that's invigorating to see that stuff and to see them eat what thirty four million dollars from Madison Bumgarner. That's a sign that they're all in. Yeah. Like hey, let's play games that matter. Let's not just let dudes making money eat some space on this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And they may have one of the best if not the best pitcher right now, Zach Gallon that nobody even is paying attention to. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so we have all these, all these feel goods, all these smiles. I got, and so I was looking through and I'm like, okay, uh, okay. You know, this hurts me, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Which I is do. the team, which is a team that puts the biggest frown on your face? Not because they're bad, but because you expected them to be good. And I can't. I go through all the teams in the major leagues. I can't. I can't get past the White Sox. I yeah. can't get past the White Sox. I mean, I, I picked. I thought they were going to be good. Yeah, I, it, it's too bad because your co-author Joe Kelly is a good dude. Saw him the other day in the clubhouse. He's uh, and and he's he's one of these one of these pieces. And obviously, he's injured now in a like in a bizarrely sad and somewhat fitting, ridiculous <laughs> baseball injury. Um, but it, it that that team is just it's massively disappointing and frustrating and maddening. And the problem is this that the overall vision that they had when they built this thing was flawed. And then the owner stepped in and made it impossible by hiring Tony LaRusso over these and, and having him like completely subvert what the plan was because all of a sudden you had a GM not able to realize his vision and work with a manager to, to put it all together. And now at that Rick Hahn is being allowed to use his manager and get his guy. Some of the problems that are now systemic have been allowed to fester and grow really bad coaching staff. The last couple of years, this coaching staff is better, but a lot of this core seems to be just mired to use Rick Hahn's word from nine years ago, mired in a terrible, terrible repeating cycle of awfulness. They chase man. Like they, they paid a bunch of guys. Rick Hahn's decision to pay uh, Luis Robert and Yuang Mancata and Aloy Jimenez to long-term deals is, is, is hamstringing this roster. Like they weren't able to keep Jose Abreu because they got a lot of first base and DH types because Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger and Andrew Vaughn are all basically DHs, although Vaughn's playing first and Sheets will play a little bit of right field, but he shouldn't. Berger will play a little bit of third, but he shouldn't. This team still has a pile of DHs and the guys that they're paying a lot of money to. I mean, Yohan Mancata has been hurt and or bad over the last couple of years. And this year he started good, but then has been hurt. Luis Robert is a disaster at the plate right now. Eloy Jimenez is starting to wake up a little bit, so we'll see. Yasmati Grandal has had a decent start to the year, but Tim Anderson's hurt. And just overall, they still play a very sloppy brand of baseball mm. that is uninspiring. So when you've got a team that you're watching, if you're a fan and you're watching them be, again, sloppy, again, um, unable to execute fundamentals, um, offensively and defensively, chasing out of the strike zone like crazy. And you see a bullpen that has a lot of money invested in it being terrible, worst bullpen in MLB. Mm. It's them in Philly. And Liam Hendricks, obviously, 
uh, on his way back from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But your guy Joe Kelly hurt. Kendall Graveman has been bad. That's a lot of money right there. That's just a Jake Diekman is an option they had to pick up. And he's he's been trash. And Aaron Bummer got paid a lot. They got a, a big money bullpen. That's not how you build a team anymore. Look around MLB. That is not how it's done. So Rick Hahn's plan was flawed and then it got subverted and now the whole organization is just it's in a really ugly place and the worst part is the owners the owner is just kind of riding it out Jerry Reinsdorf's just kind of riding it out man he's uh he's not looking to make any big changes or bring in some outside wisdom which is what you have to do to turn things around at times and it's uh it's a really bleak spot for White Sox fans already at 7 and 15. So yeah so first of all you 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 talk about the fans and and Pedro Grafal came on our podcast and one of the things that stuck out at me was he said when he was in the Kansas City dugout he could look over the White Sox dugout and basically know whether or not they were going to win or lose right because right. Of the energy the energy that they showed and that that it scratched right where everybody itched that's exactly what everyone wanted to hear yep. but you can't change personalities right. And you have a lot of the same personnel. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Is there is there hope that that they'll get that enthusiasm? And I know, listen, it's un, maybe it's unfair to Pedro to to make Cassie's judgments. We're not even in May. I don't know. But is there is there a chance that you can turn this around? It's um it it is obviously ridiculously early. Their division is not great, and even with the lack of the unbalanced schedule, now. They're still what? I think at the beginning of the day, they were only four back. Yeah, I think they're five back now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're five back in this division. Here's the thing. Like, Grafal had a great spring training. They did focus on fundamentals. The vibes seem to be really good. And But now here you are. Like, you can't teach accountability in spring training. You can teach accountability in the regular season, right? It's time. It is long past time for him to blow up on these guys. If he's got that tool, which supposedly he does, Sal Perez told us he does, mm-hmm. Eduardo Perez told us he does, right? Mm-hmm. That this is a guy who can light into you and doesn't care if you don't like him, just wants to drive you. And it, it's time for him to punish some of these guys. Luis Robert should not be hitting leadoff still. I mean, yeah. he's chasing more than anybody in baseball. The whole team is. He should, if he's not going to be on the bench, he should be put down to seven or eight, and you tell him why, and sit his ass down next to you between at bats, and you talk through it with him. Like he's got to access that. He's got to come down hard on some of these guys, and he hasn't done it yet, to the best of our knowledge. And we all knew Tony Larusa wasn't going to do that. He didn't have the uh, the energy, but that is part of what a manager's got to bring. You know, and it, it's it's time for Pedro to show what he's got because I get it, man. You got to teach accountability in season. So what are we going to give him? Thirty games? Giving him sixty games? <laughs> it feels a little scary right now the way they're playing. But well, I, in 40, 50, 60 games, you better teach. You better take this time to teach and get some changes going now. Yeah, and I think that. And to your point, this is a good time to do it. So the Rays have put a, a few teams on their heels, right? Yeah. There's been a few teams, the Red Sox being one of them, where you've come out of a series with the Rays and you're like, oh, man, forget it. Season's over. You, they, just, they just waxed you. It's, there's no. Yeah. But, you know, the Red Sox has sort of turned things around a little bit and other teams. So this is the time to do it. You're not in May yet. You do have some talent. You have to sort of establish the way that you're going to do things. 
there's been plenty of teams, Matt, that we've seen where you say, okay, look at what they were in April and look at what they were in June. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, and and maybe this maybe this team can do it. I, I want to have hope, but it's last year. It felt like the exact same problem, yeah. and we just watched the calendars slowly dwindle, and they never caught Cleveland mm-hmm. or Minnesota. Right? They yeah. didn't. Um, and this year, it feels just like last year. Uh, all, all of a sudden, I mean, that's the thing. When the problems feel the same, then all of a sudden, late April feels a hell of a lot uh, later uh, than than it is. But you know, like they started out so poorly and then they're in the middle of this 10 game string here with the Rays, the Blue Jays, and then the Rays again. That's a great time for that, you know, and they're 0 3 so far. So no, it's not good. It's not the, good. Um, so let me ask you is, is there a team that, you know, I, I, I designated the White Sox as the team that probably is the most disappointing? It just is. Is there another team that even. Comp- it can contend with the White Sox for that mantle, for that that award. I don't know if there is I, for for what was expected. Is, is it, are they really far and away that way? I'm hustling over here to the standings. I mean, the Cardinals maybe, the Cardinals maybe, Cardinals, but but you know they're gonna. I, I mean, you know they're gonna turn things around. The one thing that that gives me a little pause with the Cardinals is that pitching staff is not getting it done without Yadier Molina. And I know of Wilson Contreras's um, limitations as a, uh, as a, as a game planner and as part of a, uh, a pitching arsenal. So I worry about that a little bit, but I, I don't know. I mean, Seattle started out that way, but I got faith in them to come back. Oakland's a laughing stock. The angels with Otani trade rumors uh, already yeah. there. That's they're so just, they're just like sort of this middle of the road, to middle of the road, nothing team with just happens to have the two best players on the planet. Yeah, it's it's so discouraging. <laughs> it is. It's well, just how about the, I, I mean the the Giants? I didn't really expect the Giants to compete much out there, especially when they lost out. Of yeah, Korea. but all these teams, I think that you know, and I think the Padres they'll figure it out. Obviously, they get to tease back and they'll figure it out. But I think all these teams we're mentioning, like, and maybe this was just me. I, I thought the White Sox would win that division. And I, I didn't think any of these other teams would win the division that we're talking about. You know, maybe the Cardinals, but so I don't know. I mean, it's it, you're right. I mean, it's 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 early, but 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 when you have that stretch, that's the Rays and the Blue Jays. Those are two talented teams, and and you you can't come out of that. Yeah. You can't come out of that like you just came out of the Rays series. You well, can't. Lance, Lance Lynn is one of those guys, one of those older starting pitchers who are not in the greatest of shape, who's struggling with the pitch clock. And, and um, I mean, there's no excuse for it. And maybe when it gets hotter, he kind of likes it hotter, supposedly, but he's been bad. Giolito had a couple decent starts, but was just okay today. Dylan Cease struggles to get through five sometimes because he gets wild again like he has. Michael Kopech is not trustworthy. Clevenger had one good start and then a, and then a bad one. So it's like there's just there's not a lot of angles that you look at and go, that's what we do well. A friend of mine told me this about the White Sox last night. He kind of he hates the Manfred Mann rule, the ghost runner rule. I actually really like it, and I've talked a lot about why I like it because I feel like it forces strategy. Like immediately, it has like a red zone feeling um, for an NFL Sunday. Yeah, ur- urgency. Yeah, yeah, the urgency's there. There's a lot of strategic depth in terms of how you're going to play it, what you're going to do it. But he was hating on it, and then he realized, wait, you know why I think I hate it? Because I know that my team, the White Sox, don't stand a chance when you get there because strategy matters. 
right? It's like a proving ground for strategy and fundamentals. And the White Sox suck at it. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's, and you bring up, you know, this is another thing that we can't predict, and maybe we'll loop back on in, in, in a few weeks or months. But people have brought up Elena Dare came on with us. She's so good. And she's talking about the injury. Matt Strom brought this up on the podcast. The injuries, the, the potential injuries when you hit June and July. You uh, mentioned some guys. Like, that's another thing we don't know. There are going to be more injuries because everyone's playing at this breakneck speed. And they're not equipped for a lot of them. So, yeah, uh, you know, White Sox have already had a bunch uh, of, of injuries. Eloy was out for a little while. Moncada's out now. Tim Anderson's out now. So it's uh, it's kind of samey in that regard, too. Uh, and so who are the old guys you talked to that are – were they hating on the rules? Oh, I no. To, you know, old guys, guys. Old guys love cool. – uh, I'm trying to think. Well, we just had the 2013 Red Sox come through, so – Oh, yeah, man. You know, it's it, – well, it's mostly a guy – you know, our betting isn't boring expert, Jonathan Papelbon, comes on on Fridays. He's special. Yeah, he is special. And uh, he uh, he's like, listen, like, I couldn't do it. Like, I get on the mound. I couldn't think of that many things. There's too much to think about. You know, I, I just get on the mound. I started, his, his words, I started bleeding out of my eyes, and that was it. But I get that. I understand that. I would love to see... I like I see guys when guys do get uh, runners on, they become uh-huh. different pitchers. So I get that, I understand that. But no, I mean it's we had you know we had Strom on. He's he's you know he's not a huge fan of it, but I think in the yeah. minority he's in the minority of players certainly. Yeah, I think so. That 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 2013 Red Sox thing looked looked fun. You had a lot of oh yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I mean it's it's you've covered teams that. You know, we're a bunch of guys who were good guys or personalities. And this is what I like about teams typically, if they don't break down, who are built on 30-year-olds because they're securing themselves. They're not watching everything, every single thing they say. And and for our purposes, that's a good thing. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, it's a good point. And that's the thing about this Cubs bunch. Like, there are some late 20s dudes but there are some early 30s dudes too. Like the people they brought in, it's like these like solid vets. They're they're led by vets. And even the young guys now feel like vets. This is Hap's team and Horner's team. You know, the, the ghosts of, of of Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and them are and Schwarber and Gutierrez, it's all gone. This is their bunch. And then you got dudes like Mancini and Hosmer and like grown-ups, you know? And Dansby is something else, man. D- Dansby's just a dude who has always been a leader to an extent. Um, He said he led at Vanderbilt. I have no reason to doubt that. Um, I think he led a bit in Atlanta, even though they had Freddie Freeman and a bunch bunch of other dudes. But now he's been paid and anointed and told to be a leader. So he is feeling it. That guy is feeling it. And then he came out like a freaking house of fire at the plate. And just the way he plays defense and the whole thing, it's like, this this is his team, man. This is his team, and people are feeding off of him. It's very, very clear. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the four, the big four shortstops. Swanson was number four, right? But still, yep. we can lump him in with the four shortstops in the offseason. Correa, Bogarts, um, um Turner. Turner, Turner, and Dansby. And yeah. and you know, I, I know that Turner maybe is off the little slower start than some of the others, but like all of them are making their case, and, and Dansby Swanson's a perfect one. Like all these people that wanted to devalue him c- because they were comparing him to the other three, well, it seems like he's a pretty good fit there. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the guy plays 150 games every year. Um, dude is 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 not flawless with the glove, but is just so remarkably trustworthy and smooth and solid um, with it. Um, great base runner and been a better base stealer than expected. And last year he had what 25 homers last year and didn't hit any in mm-hmm. April. He doesn't he doesn't have any homers yet this year. But he he had like he had what I think he had he had nine hits in the first three games something like that. I mean it's like it just just right away and setting a tone for the kind of at bats to take and everything. And yeah, he, he's he's a really solid player and he's got he's got a little more flair and a little more swag than I had realized too. You know, like we're good. spoiled we're spoiled with Baez and Tim Anderson these guys who play with some flair. But Dans- Dansby's got some of that. Pushes the chest out really. Feels it and enjoys himself. Listen, if I was him, I would play without a hat. That's what I would do. <laughs> I mean, you immediately, you immediately up your ranking if you have that head of hair. Yeah, There's man. no question. And by the way, you, you mentioned a good point about the Cubs. Well, of course, you know, we talk about the di- that dynamic and maybe comparing the two. Well, two of the guys who were at, weren't at the ceremony the other, other day, for good reason, David Ross and Mike Napoli. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're not going to – we talk about guys being themselves – and and understanding what's important, those two guys get that. Yep. Most, most of them, almost anybody. Yeah. No. It, for for sure. And you can tell. I mean, you you can tell. This is this is the kind of room that Ross has always wanted as a manager, and now he's got a bunch of bunch of dudes he trusts and can empower. But he's still very much the man in charge. Um, there have been strate- so a couple strategic things where it's like, huh. That's interesting. Like I started to doubt David a little bit um, on, on some of that stuff. And we'll see what develops. And there's always things you don't know in terms of some of the decisions and stuff like that. But in terms of an atmosphere provider as a manager, he's great at that. You know, he always has been. Like even even with with a weird team on the way out, then last year that bunch last year went thirty nine and thirty one in the second half. I know, and their vibes were awesome. Team ERA was was top five because the pitching was good and the defense was good. So they've really just added to that and picked up where they were. Well, the T-shirt's on the way. Matt Spiegel colon atmosphere provider. <laughs> well, that's that's mine for managers. They're like strategic genius or an atmosphere provider. You got to be both. Right? Oh. And some are some are better than others. Listen, you are you are everything to everything to, to today. <laughs> I appreciate you jumping on. And uh, anything you want to plug before we head off, or uh, you know, just check check me out on Hit and Run Sunday mornings on six seventy. The score. You can also get that podcast. That's where I talk to Mo Vaughn. And if anybody's into the Cubs and Sox, we're having a blast on that show every week. And then yeah, you know, Par- Parkins and Spiegel the Monday through Friday uh, on the score.